I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Jeffrey Kasanoff. He's on the faculty at Mount Sinai School of Medicine and co-founder of Therapy West. Our topic today is going to be COVID-19 and mental health. COVID-19 has created conditions that have greatly contributed to the uncertainty of our mental health. Marriages and partnerships are strained, school closures are increasing student anxiety and depression, and the stress of reopening the country is just as difficult as enduring more social distancing. Dr. Jeffrey Kasanoff's background in cognitive behavioral therapy offers insight into our mental health during COVID-19. He serves on, as I said before, on the faculty at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, where he teaches cognitive behavioral therapy to psychiatry residents. He spends the majority of his time collaborating with parents, families, and other professionals to improve the lives of his patients. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you here today, Dr. Jeffrey Kasanoff. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, we have COVID-19 as a pandemic, but so is our mental health situation is also an epidemic that we are struggling with every day as a result of COVID-19. Um, and it seems that it's getting worse as, you know, I mentioned all the reasons in the beginning in the intro. So, um, how do we address this? What can we, you're, you're an expert in cognitive behavior therapy. Um, how do we apply that to what's happening to us now so that we get less anxious and less depressed? Actually, before I came on the show, um, I read, I'm in Albany, Albany County, the capital district, um, in New York mm-hmm. State, and our COVID-19 cases are going down, but our uh, uh, rate of suicide and addiction problems are going up, which they attribute to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really, uh, you know, when we look at this as psychologists, you know, usually you have people that have anxiety and a small percentage of the population has anxiety, but now we sort of have the entire entire population sort of experiencing this, um, you know, pandemic together. And when we look at anxiety, it's really about fear of the unknown, right? And sort of what I always say is like, what's behind door number two or what's going to happen next? And we just don't really know with great certainty. And, and most of our lives, we deal with, uh, as human beings, some level of certainty. So whether it's crossing the street or going to work or taking the train, we kind of know within you know, a reasonable amount of error what time the train's going to come, how long it will take us to get to work, et cetera. Here, there's just a lot of unknown, which is causing a lot of distress. Um, and certainly, not only from a, a physical standpoint in terms of our health, but also now economically, you know, people with their, their jobs and their careers and, and what's going to happen next. Will they have a job? Um, will the coronavirus kind of come back? And all these what-ifs that we often talk about, you know, with people that have uh, more chronic kind of uh, anxiety, but we see it now with the, sort of the general public and even with kids sort of saying, well, what if I don't wash my hands enough and then I give it to, you know, my grandparents or things of that nature? So, you know, I think we're all mental health providers are really uh, trying to look at all these things in terms of how we can kind of help society as a whole. 
Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, I mean, it's really about the unpredictability of all of this. And I know sometimes we talk about the facts and we have certain facts and we supposedly we know certain facts about COVID-19, but those facts also change. They change sometimes daily, weekly, or monthly. You know, at first we were supposed to be not just wearing masks, washing our hands, but then also be very concerned about touching uh, touching newspapers or touching wood or touching steel and that, you know, the virus remained on those surfaces for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. Now they, CDC has said, well, that's not as important, that don't concern yourself with that as much. So, you know, those kinds of things are also, I think, create a lot of anxiety and people who are trying to do the right thing. Right. So I know they talked about the viral load on like cardboard boxes or on pizza boxes or on touching things versus it being in, you know, airborne. And I think there's still a lot of uncertainty, you know, in the medical kind of professionals as to how we can contract this um, and how we can also protect ourselves. So um, all of this, you know, confusion and unknown about a new virus, you know, just leads to, you know, greater anxiety and people then, you know, Unfortunately, some people kind of engaging in, you know, maladaptive behaviors or problematic behaviors to cope with this. So, you know, uh, myself and other colleagues, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to and utilize sort of the tools that we've had over the years, uh, you know, through our training to kind of help people engage in more positive uh, coping mechanisms during this time. Yeah, and I think sensible, it brings, I just can give you a personal example. I have a ranch house with a air conditioning on either side one of the air conditionings break down I call up the guy to come and fix the air conditioning and he comes and he has a mask on and he's just going in the basement he's not going in the house I said you know he can't go in the house he said he didn't have to go in the house to fix this particular problem but I asked him I said so what is this like going to people's homes and how do they respond to you he said I it runs the gamut I have people who won't let me in their house unless I have a hazmat suit on to the other extreme <laughs> where people are come in doesn't make any difference you can go near the kids touch whatever you want to what he called my response which was the average response you have to wear a mask you can be in the basement but you can't go in the house so it, it's right. sort of that bell-shaped curve I think in a sort of to, in response to all of this, I, I thought that was a fairly good example. Um, right, you know, and I, th- I think you also have, uh, you know, people who are very, uh, you know, boisterous and, and they want to give you a hug and they're kind of um, disregarding sort of this, you know, virus. Um, and I think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, I've certainly seen people in my community that are sort of poo pooing. Uh, you know, the, the virus and then just say, hey, come on, shake my hand or give me a hug. And I think, you know, what we're also trying to teach people is to be very assertive. And if you're not comfortable with that, because that's going to you know, bring about a lot of anxiety, you have to you know, say no and, and you know, tell them that you're not comfortable with, with that. Yeah, and the mask. I think the mask is uh, the masks just make a lot of sense. I can't understand why people wouldn't want to wear a mask. I mean, you teach at, at Sinai Hospital. Um, my uh, t- twin grandsons were born there. Uh, if you go into, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were born a few weeks early, so you go into the NICU. Everybody has masks on. I mean, so there is. Right. Is it is that any different than wearing a mask for the COVID nineteen? No, I mean, listen, you know, it's, uh, you know, in, in the NICU, people do that, obviously, for safety and to make sure there's no other, you know, viruses that, you know, the child might 
contract and we want to keep everybody safe, especially during those, uh, you know, very important kind of times, um, early in a, in a newborn's life. Um, but it's the same thing, uh, that we need to do now, uh, to kind of protect ourselves. And this is, this is a novel virus that we don't really understand. And that leads to a lot of fear. So the best thing that we're trying to do as psychologists is to teach people, um, when, you know, to try to give them certain levels of control. So um, as the state is starting to open up a little bit, um, and that's kind of happening across the country, that doesn't mean that we have to open up ourselves to the extent that the government may allow or other people want to do. And I think we saw, um, I guess it was in the Ozarks, you know, that um, picture of of people kind of all in the pool and um, really getting quite close to each other. I'm trying to teach people that, you know, you, you want to have your masks and you want to have your sanitizer with you and sort of have a, a bag ready of all of your gear. And then you can choose whether or not you want to go to that barbecue, you know, that's outside. Um, or if you choose for some reason to go into someone's home, I mean, I think that's a little premature, but you want to have your own kind of control valve and make those decisions yourself. I think that's great advice. Uh, I, I want to talk about specific things, too, because I know you're like sure. student anxiety, for instance. Um, this whole, I mean, student kids staying home at all ages from 5 to 15 to, you know, 25. And um, I, I guess they're seeing a lot of depression in these kids. They're not being able to connect, obviously, to other kids, to other children. And mm-hmm. yes, online learning is important, but it doesn't take the place of being able to you know, see someone be with kids in in person. Well, how, what do we do about that? I mean, what is the, how can we help children, for instance, who can't be with other, who aren't with other children? And then what happens when they do go back to school? Cause that creates an, if they do another level of anxiety, because you mm-hmm. know, how do you can't keep five-year-olds from touching each other and blowing their noses right. on each other and all the other stuff that the kids do, right? So that's it's, that's anxiety-provoking. It's, it's, it's very hard. So, you know, we have a uh, therapeutic school called Academics West in New York City uh, that I co-founded about nine years ago. Um, and we're dealing with those same kind of questions. So um, trying to reduce enrollment, uh, making sure that there's going to be, you know, some level of social distancing even between the desks, um, you know, making sure that, uh, I don't know if you've seen certainly in some supermarkets where they have kind of arrows in terms of the directions that you can walk. So we're planning on doing similar things where people can only walk in a specific direction, um, sort of around the, the school and the facility. Um, obviously, a lot of hand sanitizer and people probably going to be wearing, you know, masks. Um, there's a lot of talk about how we can ensure, you know, the safety of you know, not only the children, but the staff as well, and any guests that may, you know, need to kind of come and visit the school. So, um, you know, everybody's trying to gear up for making sure that we make it as uh, as safe as possible. But, of course, you know, we might need to, you know, pivot back and, and go virtual again. Um, you know, these are kind of, again, questions that we just don't know. It's like we're, uh, you know, we're in the ocean and, it's, and, it's, and, you know, it could get very rocky, and we just have to figure out how we're going to, you know, be secure during during this that kind of period. Um, so we, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we have to leave our options open, as you say. Uh, it's mm-hmm. you know, you follow one path, it may not be d- 
definitive and you might have to make changes. We have to be flexible, I guess. That's the other word that comes up as you're just talking about uh, what you... Absolutely. You know, yeah, flexibility is important, as flexible as we can be. Okay, that's the kids. So let's talk about the parents because I know you're an expert on this, marriages, partners. What's happening? I mean, being quarantined, I mean, are we going to have a lot more divorces, separations, people... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be realistic. Yeah. Well, listen, I think it is, um, you know, when you, when you bring it up, I first kind of scream in my head and, you know, think about sort of the, the chaos that's going on in uh, marriages that people really aren't talking about um, yeah. enough. I mean, I think we're talking about the kids a lot, which obviously is incredibly important, but marriages, I mean, these are, people are now all living under the same roof constantly. Right. So there's no break where people are able to go to work, you know, and then come home and sort of have that, you know, different part of their lives and be uh, interdependent, you know, not kind of on top of each other. Now, for the past, you know, two months plus, people are on top of each other. Um, the roles that parents have to play are they're being torn constantly. So either they still have a job, so they're working from home, then their kids are you know, begging for them to do things or they have to cook and clean and help them with their homework, then parents also have to be teachers, right? Or, or kind of facilitate sort of this teach, this, this online teaching. Um, and then they have to try to be, you know, partners and, you know, uh, be connected with each other um, and then also have their own space to be alone. Um, so there's like all these, you know, being pushed and pulled, which I think is tremendously hard um, on, you know, marriages. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we've, <clears throat> excuse me, and that what I've talked about a lot is that it's really important that we have a very clear schedule. Uh, and even for our marriage, uh, you know, marriages need to have it, its own space to breathe. Uh, I have three kids at home and they're jumping on my head sometimes. And, and then there's, what happens is all of a sudden it'll be 930 and you know, my wife and I will say, you know, you guys each have to be independent, go to your rooms, um, and we need our time, you know, whether it's for an hour or two to be together and just kind of talk. Um, and I think that, like, setting clear boundaries is essential during this coronavirus. Everybody needs to have a good schedule and set good limits with each other. Otherwise, it just, you know, it becomes more kind of uh, like, like anarchy and chaos in the home. Yeah, I think that's very well said, that chaotic is so we three kids and I, I as peop, my listeners know I have my three grandchildren and my son and daughter-in-law are living with me <laughs> and I've two two-year-olds oh, yeah. and a four-year-old oh, talk about easy. chaos <laughs> right. and right. boundaries which are not easy to keep with two two uh, it's very difficult but I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago to one of my guests but routine schedule important but routinized also is not such a good thing so even in the I think in the context of the routine, you can do the routine a little bit differently so that it doesn't become so routinized that becomes, that's kind of becomes, can become the opposite of chaotic, but kind of depressing the sameness mm -hmm. of things. Try to change that, even though you're doing the same thing. Um, I think there, at least that's made a difference. Um, you know, we, no, I, listen, I think it's always a important balance. You know, on one hand, we like routine and like we not, like knowing that, you know, pre-corona, we would get up and leave the house and go to work, you know, then do wherever we went and had lunch and then come home. 
and kind of repeat that. But then, of course, we're always looking forward for that vacation, right, where there's a break yeah. in that monotony. Um, so I agree with you. It's kind of, it is a balance. And I think, you know, certainly we want to have some good structure that we, and it, again, it kind of feels to me I, when I think of structure, it's like a warm blanket that kind of makes us feel good and comfortable because we know what to expect. And again, the coronavirus has really uplifted and shaken up our lives where we kind of don't know what to expect. But so we want to kind of put in as many things that we can control and, and put them in place. So we, we know what time we're going to have dinner or have breakfast. And, um, and even as you said, you know, have some of that unstructured, you know, fun time where we're going to be creative and say, let's, let's break it up today. Um, that's important too. Yeah. Cause I think, well, you just mentioned, you may have your schedules and your structure pre COVID-19, but then you went to work and then you had some things that happened that you didn't expect. Everything wasn't so structured, a new person, a new whatever it is. And you bring that back into your family, into your home. And we don't have that. I think that's a a big piece that's missing and, and make cause our lives are in certain ways more predictable. Well, they're not really predictable in terms of the, you know, the, the virus, but when you're stuck at home for two months, things can become either chaotic or too predictable. There's that balance mm-hmm. is what you're saying, right? There so is. what, I mean, do, no, I yeah. Think, well, I was just going to bring up a point, you know, there are also, we have to look at sort of the differences with, you know, kids, we have, you know, uh, elementary school age kids, which need a lot of support and scaffolding. Um, and then you have adolescents and those kids are, you know, there's a lot of um, information where kids are sort of you know, staying up late, late at night. And when parents are waking up, uh, you know, the adolescent is going to bed. So it's like, you know, they sort of uh, high five each other, so to speak, at, at six o'clock in the morning. Um, and, you know, that's also causing, I think, a lot of challenges. So what do you do? I mean, are you doing, are you, are you doing therapy online? So, yeah, so our practice, uh, our mental health practice is Therapy West. Um, and we're doing uh, all of our therapy is online. Um, and, you know, we're working with parents a lot now because, again, parents, they're putting on these new, new roles that they, you know, maybe they were avoiding a little bit. Um, but now it's, it's in their face and they can't avoid it. So in many ways, we're, we're, we're coaching them um, so they can, you know, really improve on, on, you know, how they're parenting and change some things and, and really uh, help kind of make better relationships with their kids. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of that, um, as well as working with the kids. Uh, and I think younger kids, it's certainly more challenging to do online therapy, you know, with, let's say, a third grader. Um, easier, obviously, with someone, with a kid who's an adolescent. Uh, I think adolescents are a lot more comfortable doing the virtual therapy and they can find a private spot, you know, to talk with us. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been certainly interesting for us. And I think, uh, you know, we've been doing our best to help people because they're, you know, adolescents are often alone um, or they isolate. Um, and it's really hard because parents, you know, adolescents to some degree is like, you know, they want to be independent and alone, but when they're isolating and the parents don't know what's going on is when, you know, problems can start to really arise. Um, and we're trying to uh, intervene as best as we can early uh, before bad things kind of happen. Yeah. What are the specifics? Because you mentioned the two age groups, let's say a, a, an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, different obviously than an adolescent. Like how do you engage 
a fourth or a fifth grader online because that would be obvious. As you say, it's different than if they're in your office and you're treating them. Right. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's some kids that are really, uh, that can be in fourth or fifth grade that are, are great communicators and very verbal um, and able to kind of have that dialogue virtually. Uh, some kids aren't, and, you know, you might need to do, you know, some kind of game playing or some um, role playing. Um, you have to try to make it fun and, and be a little bit more creative to sort of get the same outcome. Um, but each kid's a little bit different. Um, so some kids will not, you know, especially younger kids, won't do the online therapy at all. So we sort of work through the parents um, and kind of give them the skills that they need to help their kid. Um, and other kids, you know, we can kind of do it in a little bit more of a creative way. And uh, we might do some games with them virtually uh, to sort of build a rapport and to help them communicate more effectively. Um, so every kid's a little bit different. Yeah, so you just have to go with, you, you get a sense of, of what, obviously, what the, what, who you're dealing with, what the kid is like. Um, can you give us, we only have a couple minutes left, so sure. this is, yeah, well, um, give us websites that we can do, go to, or if anybody's interested, or I mean, I, I assume you're taking, I'm assuming you're taking on new patients um, it, in your uh, practice, uh, if people want to connect with you, or where can we? Sure. Um, yeah. So any, anybody can certainly go to our website, which is uh, therapywest.com, uh, even though it uh, has West in it, we're, we're actually located in Manhattan. Uh, but Therapy West, we have about nine clinicians on staff, uh, all of whom I would have, uh, you know, my kids be treated by them. I think they're all ex- excellent. Um, we all do cognitive behavioral therapy and other evidence-based interventions, which is really the uh, kind of the best way to do uh, treatment and therapy these days. We are now doing it virtually, um, you know, throughout the country to help people uh, during this time of, of this kind of coronavirus. Um, and we're happy to help in any way that we can. Uh, we so work that's with interesting. Kids. Your practice now is not confined to, let's say, New York City. You can do. You could actually do it anywhere for anyone in the world, right? Um, since you're doing it online. <laughs> we can. And listen, you know, it's been really interesting that the virtual, you know, this, this pandemic has really forced a lot of mental health practitioners, you know, to realize that, you know, we can really do it anywhere. Um, and the technology is, is very secure. So in terms of confidentiality, you know, all these different programs uh, are very secure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's allowed us to help a lot more people than we could have before. That's great. Great talking to you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Dr. Jeffrey Kazanoff, um, stay healthy and safe Thank and you. sane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I, and I wish you best of luck with all those kids at your house. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.